evening and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier, and I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us and learning more about our Lord and Savior and what He's doing in and through everything that's happening on this earth. I, I trust the Lord that each of you are blessed by the, the past few messages and, and even about being bold for the Lord, because He definitely is requiring boldness in this time, us to stand on him, on that firm foundation that he is, and his word, both written and spoken to us, the guidance and direction, the leading of Holy Spirit that guides us into all truth. So in this episode, we're going to talk about producing the fruit of God's kingdom. Because this is something that's absolutely required at all times, but especially in this season. And in doing so, we're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew, really verses 33 through 36 in chapter 21. Excuse me. That's Matthew 21, verses 33 through 46. And now the same story is the parable of the vineyard owner. It can be found in Mark 12, verses 1 through 12, and Luke chapter 20, verses 9 through 18. And there's a couple interesting things that we need to bring about, but we're going to start by reading that. And now, to give, provide a little background, Jesus goes into the temple, and he is approached by the chief priest and the elders of the temple, of the people. And they begin to try to challenge him and question his authority. And he presents them with two parables. One, or actually both of them had to do with vineyards. The first parable he gave them was concerning two sons. The first of which, well, they were both asked to go work in the vineyard. One of the sons said that he would, but never went. And the second son said he was not going to go, but then later changed his mind and said that he would go do what his father had asked. And Jesus' question was, who did the will of their father? And they all answered, the one that actually went and did the work. And then Jesus, very boldly, says to these Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, the elders, says, Truly I say to you that tax gatherers and harlots will get into the kingdom of God before you. And he, he expounds on that even further because... He talks about how John the Baptist had been sent in the way of righteousness and he was not believed, but that those people, the tax gatherers, the harlots, did believe him. And even after seeing the change in what a society at that time considered the lowest of the low, those that were, were of ill repute, those that were outcast in society. It says how 
they believed him, but that the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes did not even feel sorrow or remorseful over their actions, how they treated people, and the situation. And then he begins, and, st- and this is in, again, Matthew chapter 21, verse 33. And he says, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a wall around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the, vin- to the vine growers to receive his produce. And the vine growers took his slaves and beat one and killed another and stoned a third. Again, he sent another group of slaves larger than the first. And they did the same thing to them. But afterward, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine growers saw the son, they said amongst themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize the inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine growers? They said to him, He will bring those wretches to a wretched end and will rent out the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the proceeds at the proper seasons. Other versions say, and will give him his fruit at the proper time or seasons. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and will be given to a nation producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. But on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they understood that he was speaking about them. And when they sought to seize him, they became afraid of the multitudes because they held him to be a prophet. There's a lot in there. And very clearly, he's talking about our Lord and Savior and all the things that he has done towards his people. He says very plainly in John 15 that he, his father, is, is the one that owns the vineyard. That he, Jesus, is the vine and we are the branches. But his father is the vine dresser who owns the vineyard. That's in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. But he says how all these things were prepared by the landowner, the vine dresser. And he says that. He then continues and says he rented it out to vine growers. So these are people that had no ownership whatsoever. 
their their job, their role was to tend and to keep what was already established on the foundation that had already been laid. But instead, they intended to seize this inheritance for themselves and how the Lord had sent his servants. Jesus talked about this constantly throughout the Gospels, how he had sent prophets to various generations and how the people treated them however they wanted. They killed some, they mistreated others. And he even talks about this to the Pharisees later in Matthew 28 when he pronounces all the woes, or 23, excuse me. He pronounces the woes over them and says what they are like. And now he kept sending prophets, but they kept mistreating them, did the exact same things one after another. And then finally, it says how it's alluding to the Lord sending, our Heavenly Father sending his son Jesus, the Christ, our Lord and Savior, and how the people treated him in the same manner. Fully recognizing that this was the son and the heir to the Lord, to the landowner of this vineyard. And it was also interesting in this is how Jesus asked the question to these Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes about what the landowner would do when he comes, what he would do to those vine growers. And they, the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, the, the chief priests and the elders, their response, full knowing full well, is that he will bring those wretches to a wretched end and will rent out the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the proceeds at the proper seasons. They knew what was coming. They knew what the response would be from the landowner. But the biggest takeaway in this is where we need to be at. Because Jesus then says, tells them plainly, as let's not forget, they were challenging his authority. And he said, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And then he says this, because of that, he just stated where his authority came from. But then he says this, therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. And these two verses, verse 43 and 44, or 42 through 44, the three verses, 
are the key to this whole parable. I say that because we just, as we just discussed or pointed out, the authority comes from the Lord. How it was established through our Heavenly Father. And he says what the outcome is. But it's who he says it to that matters. Let's understand that the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes, or the chief priests and the elders, they were the leadership of the day. Yes, within the church. And also, they had an agreement with, well, in this time period, the Romans, those that occupied Israel, those that were actually running and ruling Israel for Rome. And they were allowed to weigh in on all matters pertaining to the people. And he's saying it to them, the people that were in authority for the day. And yes, there were others. There was King Herod, obviously. But the amount of power and influence that was had, there was a direct connection. They had a direct voice and line and access to the occupying force which had established itself as in control. That like these first individuals, vine growers, that were functioning while the landowner was on a journey. They said, we are going to take this for our inheritance. They were attempting to build on a foundation that was already laid for themselves. And understand this, because if we look throughout all of history and society and scripture, I have yet to see a definitive time or culture or whatever may be, that Satan, the adversary, built up first from himself. If you study it out, you will find that the way the adversary works is only to attempt to take over from something that the Lord had already established and attempts to build upon a foundation already laid by the Lord, which is why Paul cautions us. He says, like a wise master builder, he laid a foundation, that foundation being Christ. And like a wise master builder, he built upon that foundation. But he cautions us to be careful how each one builds upon it, because it will be tested. And only what is true will remain. So how do we build upon a foundation? How do we produce fruit? Because that is the key in verse 43. He tells the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes that the kingdom would be taken away from them and given to a nation producing 
the fruit of God's kingdom. You know, when this nation, when the United States was established, that is exactly what the foundation that was laid was. The foundation is and was and is still the Lord. Now others have attempted to build upon it. And you could say we have gotten away from the true structure that was initially put down, that initially was laid. But let's not forget, the Lord is coming, and He is moving. And we see this throughout Scripture. Yes, we know He is returning at some point that only the Father knows when. So we should be cautious and careful and be a people ready, right? The scripture tells us to make ready a people prepared for the Lord, to be in line, in alignment with the Lord. How do we produce the fruit of the kingdom? Well, our pattern example is set forth in Christ. How did he function and operate during his time on earth? He said what the Father said to say. He did what the Father said to do. And he even questioned and exhorted others to do the same. He asked them, do you understand what this means? I desire obedience rather than sacrifice. We have misunderstood some things about the Lord. We've misunderstood about his, him, his nature, his character, his love for us. Now, yes, the Lord is coming and he is moving. And he is going to bring about deliverance and restoration for his people. There will be some that are are taken away, that are removed. We have a saying here at at this ministry. And you may have heard me say it even on, on this podcast. That whether it's the end of days or your end of days, we should be ready. We should be doing the things that the Lord has asked us and commanded us to do because He's our God and we're His people. In the structure He created, He is our Heavenly Father and we are His children. We are joint heirs with Christ. Seeds of Abraham. Many of us have been grafted in, which is a wonderful gift and a blessing. Because you see many times in Scripture, uh, and I'll just point out with Joshua, and as they entered the land and they were coming up on Jericho, they are met by the angel of the Lord, by Jesus himself, before people understood that that was Jesus. And Joshua asks him, Who are you? Are you with us or for us? Or are you for our enemies? And he says that he was the captain or commander of the Lord's army. And Joshua's response was to immediately bow down 
and worship him. He understood that where he was standing was holy ground. Now for us, and in the previous parable, let's understand what the Lord wants. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Which of us will do his will? The will of our Heavenly Father. John the Baptist came teaching about repenting. Which brings us to verse 44. It says, He who falls on the stone will break into pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we will continue this discussion, and this is clearly is a continuation of what we've been talking about, the army of the Lord, and the army that this end-time army that the Lord is building and raising up. And this is in 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In order to fall on the stone, repentance must be had. Those vain and lofty imaginations that attempted to elevate themselves above the Lord have to be brought down. Let's understand something. Isn't that exactly what Satan or the adversary or the devil attempted to do? He said that he would ascend on high and attempt to be above the Lord. But recognize what he says. If the stone falls on whomever the stone falls, so even in, again, the vain and lofty imaginations that think they have set themselves above the Lord, Lord, then in the very next line says, no, 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 I'm still above them. And if the stone falls on whomever it falls, it will scatter them like dust. Let's understand that in full. Even in our imaginations, you can never be above the Lord. He's it. He's sovereign. He reigns supreme. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is getting ready to move. He, I, and I'll say he is moving now on behalf of his people. He has been exposing the spirit of deception because the spirit of truth has been released. Why do you think there is so much activity that is happening? The media is running rampant. Um, with all the things that have been exposed, cover-ups and 
you name it, at every area and aspect of life, society, and government. But for us, let's also understand something. We have often asked the Lord, or even now many are seeking the Lord and saying, what do we do? What do we do now, Lord? Well, I will say this. Do whatever the Lord tells you to do. Say whatever he tells you to say. Because that's what you can stand on. Nothing of our own initiative, but only as the Lord commands us on what to speak and what to do. And he does that through his Holy Spirit. But recognize that we have gotten ourselves to a place that we require a deliverer. We require the Lord to come and deliver us because we cannot do it ourselves. Not unlike the children of Israel when they were in Egypt. They had been, if you will, consumed. They had been slaves for 430 years. And it took the Lord to bring them out. So what can we do? Let's prepare ourselves, first and foremost, our heart. There is still time while you have breath in your lungs to repent, to come into, I'll say, establish your relationship with the Lord or rededicate your life to the Lord, to come into alignment with Him and His plan and His purpose and the destiny track he has for you which will not only benefit and bless your life but the lives of those around you in your home in your family with your spouse with your children with your grandchildren in the community or communities where you find yourself in the state in the nation Wherever you find yourself, you will see the Lord bless you and those around you as we continue to move and walk in Him in perfect alignment and obedience to Him, demonstrating our love for Him, our faith or our trust in Him, and that we have put our hope in Him. All that is demonstrated by our obedience. And it's absolutely important for this time. I'll say it, it doesn't matter the mistakes that you made. Because the Lord is ready and willing to forgive you. He's always ready and willing to forgive. No matter what you have done. Let's also understand that the Lord is the one that has to bring us out of this. So let's also, as we prepare ourselves and our relationship with Him, let us, as the Lord's army, prepare ourselves, yes, to conduct the warfare with the weapons that He's given us that are divinely powerful for bringing down strongholds, the principalities and powers, and every vain and lofty thing. And let us prepare ourselves for the work of restoration 
after he delivers us. We have a nation that is about to be brought about to be brought to its foundation, the foundation laid on the Lord. That's a firm foundation and a sure foundation. But there are many things that have been built on that foundation that need to be restored. And in a restoration project, those things that are rotted, that have proven to be unfruitful, need to be removed. And the things that remain need to be strengthened. And we see this, this type and shadow given throughout Scripture, especially with Israel. As they were returned from captivity, even with Ezra, Nehemiah, and Haggai, and Zechariah, they had a hammer in one hand because they were building and restoring and a sword on the other to protect and defend and being to be a blessing to those that were continuing to labor in love for the Lord and to restore the people back to where the Lord had called them to be. Because it is going to take work and effort diligence to do that not of our own planning and might or power as the lord gives the plans and the purpose and we are brought back to where the lord wants us to be as a nation as a nation under god indivisible and with liberty and justice for all as our founding fathers had sought the Lord and received from him. We, in this generation, must do likewise. So I just want to encourage you with that because that is how we produce the fruit of God's kingdom. That is exactly how Christ our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, operating in his time on earth. And that is the image that we are called to be conformed into. It is the image that reflects the Father. As Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The people of the Lord should look like our Heavenly Father. And we do that by looking like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So when they see us, they see Jesus in us. So I just want to leave you with that and encourage you. To, if you need to repent, to repent, to make things right with the Lord. And not just to remain there and not wallow in sorrow and pity, but to pick yourself up, dust yourself off. The Lord will be with you. He is with you. He never leaves you or forsakes you. 
So let's move forward and, pro and produce the fruit of God's kingdom. And we love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful evening.